episode 41 welcome back it's been a while the website's goldengoatguild.net same handle on twitter and the instagrams as you know twitter is on the upswing instagram is pure shit so a lot more action going on over there lately i may start moving my efforts away from instagram entirely being as it's just basically a black hole This episode is important. It's uh, a year in review, a little more than a year, but it's the culmination in many ways of that year's work, which many of you listening now um, participated in via your support, uh, feedback, compliments, for the most part, there's been very little um, criticism because it's it's basically beyond criticism, obviously. That said, um, <clears throat> I should share with you some of the latest happenings. First off, by the time you guys get this podcast, your knives may hopefully will be in the mail to you which should tell you about what time day this is being laid down and um uh real briefly the experience with this collaboration taught me a lot i'm not a you know a you know big uh manufacturing guy or a business collaborator or any of that sort of shit but i do i do have an interest in dabbling with these things because i uh i notice you know it's always nagged at me my for a lot i mean since i was a little kid how much stuff has made that's just junk and even stuff that's pretty good the a, a few minor alterations this isn't to suggest, obviously Winkler shit, his knives anyway. Several of their designs are essentially perfect and materials are perfect. Uh, the manufacturing process is perfect. You know, nobody's going to hit home runs every single time. But this was an opportunity to learn for the most part. And uh, I have an interest in you know, maybe a foolish interest, maybe uh, more of more along the lines of a fantasy of um, doing something along these lines with some similar companies, producers, creators, what have you. Um, so we'll get there, you know, hopefully next year. 
we will engage in some similar projects and we'll uh we'll take what we learned on this one and, and go forward so that's good what else i've been busting uh ass now for it feels like about pushing three months but it may be more like six weeks i'm not sure anymore My process has been um, sort of like to stew on some ideas for quite some time, feel the energies begin to coalesce, and then, you know, sort of build up a tension between the need to. put out some rhetoric would be you know maybe the most meta and coherent way to to describe it in more common parlance um, <clears throat> I like to load up and you know input process and then output but the output is usually in a couple of strange stages and the first one kind of depends but the best way uh, that I've come across so far is just to uh, ritualistically you know build into my day a portion of time where that's what I do I dump onto the page and then inevitably it's it seems to be a, a truism the first draft is shit of absolutely everything um, And, you know, if you are some sort of production writer, um, those methods of production, right, they, the 80% of the time that gets spent doing 20% of the work, these things themselves kind of evolve and then and you sort of forget them if you're not, you know, I'm, as we've said, basically... Uh, an itinerant ranch hand slash tracking um, guy and a novelist. And so that is all to say that much of my, I had to kind of pick my moment and hopefully, you know, drop that first draft, which is done. The second draft is just about done. It's probably going to be at least who knows how many more. Uh, the idea of putting it out right after Christmas is totally fucking unrealistic at this point. But there's something very good there. And you guys are going to, um, you know, if you like the war horse, um, you know, that that's kind of the secret behind the, the war horses. <clears throat> All of these chapters, if you will, or dollops, ideas are being filtered through some process into a type of coherence. And to say that I'm completely aware of what that coherence is, is, is not the case. You know, um, it's an intellectual process, I suppose, but that plus work, the holidays 
results in this podcast, which should be very substantial. And then I hope to put one more really good episode out in December with a character who I've been going back and forth with. He, his schedule is very, very odd, very difficult, and then, of course, mine as well. But I think he's going to be fantastic right in our collective wheelhouse. And, you know, after all these years, I finally figured out what a wheelhouse is by reading uh, the latest iteration of The Law, as our friend supporter placed it he knows who he is mccarthy is law the passenger i'm almost done with it we're gonna have to do some major exegesis this is uh um there there's no letdown you know in my opinion at this point in the reading mccarthy won it all he it's very likely that he will go out um, there may be a surprise or two, you know, some short stories that never got published, that all that sort of shit that comes posthumously. But yeah, I'm very excited, very grateful to have both that book and David Milch's book, um, which I'm not sure that we discussed on this podcast or not. I don't think so. His memoir came out, I think it was like back in September, October, and it was called The Life's Work. Very personal, really not going to be, um, it'll be a classic probably among writers. He's too good to ignore. In fact, there are there's some interesting cross threads that happen in The Passenger to, uh, you know, super veiled and spurgy to go into at this point but there nonetheless as is the case with with the entirety of the passenger you know um yeah i'm uh, it's it there's a there's a bubbling cauldron that if i if i crack the valve on that drop any of that juice into this thing episode 41 will be derailed into a an absolute rambling spurg out so uh we'll contain it as best we can i think that's it in terms of um housekeeping i've got my two beasts here hopefully they will take seats left and right and we can split the metaphorical beast to make our passage forward into navigating this the forward unknown good boy sit all the way down so we started out if you recall last year on the road this is what I've called it for many years, oh man, pre-9-11. Back when there were a lot of mushrooms and similar activities taking place. And the road, you know, this is a psychic road. This is um, first indication of the passage that you are 
we made it exactly one minute before referring back to McCarthy, but the passenger, which used to be the passenger, the N was added in something like the 1500s, um, which sounds good. I think it was maybe a collision of, of French and Old English, or who knows how the fuck these things really happened, but it was the passenger. You were just a passenger. And um, you're a traveler. You're one making passage. You know, six months forward from there, we, we got to Van Gennep and the idea that rites of passage are in some sense nothing more than a work of division this idea that we eventually have to come to grips with that your project is so big that all you can really do is if you want to manage it is to divide it into bite-sized pieces which is essentially what ritual is which is the genius behind it you're dividing time as it were insofar as it is into this manageable, manageable and uh, of course there's a compulsive, repetitive quality to the idea. And that's often lost, I think, on, on us now. Um, that it, you can almost become a, a professional passenger you know, or your passage, your passaging, your work of passage can be really shoddy and um, without method. The exoteric work of the various religions over time, as opposed to the inner or esoteric versions, push this, you know, as uh, really the all the total of what the lay person has access to in terms of true engagement with eternity, infinity. So the road in my conception is the experience of, of stepping onto this thing. And in modernity, you know, it's uh, fraught with peril. Um, it's, it's under spiritual attack constantly. Your experience, your, your, the idea that you can even express, um, a concept such as on the road. And, um, you know, some of you old heads like me are going back to Dharma bums and, and the beats and these sorts of things. And while, I have you have to give credit where credit is due. They were, I think that is um, not the origin point. I mean, at all. Nonetheless, it's a it's a point of convergence between particularly inebriation and psychedelics in the early use, twentieth century, and. Uh, you know, freedom of the automobile, the addition of like 
really good roads where he can haul ass. Virilio steps in here, etc. And then, of course, uh, the question was asked, are you on the bus or are you off the bus? And so we made it another five minutes before referring to McCarthy, but that is a concept toyed with very, very lightly, you know, at the beginning of, of that book. But the road has, like any road, on ramps, off ramps, turnabouts, frontage, access, but most importantly, um, signage and implied um, destination of some sort, known or unknown. Much of the work at the 30,000 foot view that we're doing here on this project and which leads into, of course, other projects. Is to begin to locate our positions in We'll say history because we don't have, that's the easiest, fastest sort of descriptor. It's totally inadequate, of course, but, and begin navigation, you know, that's part and parcel of survival. And ostensibly, this is a survival podcast, right? Yeah. So from there, we brought in uh, a couple of things all at once, you know, walking again, directly linked to the road and the passage, perfect walking, specifics of how to do it, why to do it, what it does, and... <clears throat> To pause there for a few, you know, bullet point details on this. And to make sure this is placed on the record. Um, we haven't specifically talked about a character named Donald Hoffman. Best interview I've found is on uh, with Lex Fridman. Uh, that was my first experience with Mr. I guess it's Friedman. Mr. Friedman. He's all right. He's not, you know, he's clearly something. Um, but I don't know entirely what it is. And having listened to, you know, um, many, many of Hoffman's interviews over quite a few years, this was the first one um, where... It's three hours long, and, and more than the technical details of Hoffman's 
scientific theories are are discussed the the personal aspect of it so we're going to tie Hoffman right here to perfect walking and go to orthodoxy and keep moving in a nutshell so to speak Hoffman contends that he has mathematically proven uh, through the use of the thinking derived from evolutionary psychology that our perception has absolutely nothing to do with reality. We are not mostly divorced, uh, you know, the valves on perception have not been adjusted so as to manage appropriate bandwidths. There's absolutely zero. Probability zero. This fact, which he juxtaposes and conjoins with the second fact that Contemporary cutting-edge physics has more or less hit the wall in terms of quantum and classical theories. And while if you are on the level of Decrass, uh, Tyson, etc., uh, you know, this isn't going to be... This isn't something that's going to be discussed for the for the lay people. You got to go into the the cesspool of of new agery, um, and then w wind your way out of that thicket eventually. To to sort of at least as as far as this novelist can can parse it out, to understand that. We have, as detailed on this podcast many times, um, a major, prop, you know, potentially catastrophic um, instance yet again of the destructive nature of compartmentalization, and which of course is the the sort of root, uh, the the tap root onto the, the psyche made by the mold, as we've called it. This, in early podcasts, is another concept we introduced. Stolen in a sort of oblique way from Castaneda. As I recall, he didn't develop it too much, and so we're developing it here now. So in, uh, in the very competitive and intensely ego-driven field of physics... Um, if it comes to light that, again, perception is totally divorced from something like reality, then time and space are off the table. They're irrelevant. They're not true. There's, these are, these are artifacts or, um, as I refer to them, 
uh, in the entirety of this project, they're scaffolding. You know, they are emplaced by God for reasons. And I'll get to those reasons in one second, if I can, when we get to walking. So, um, in this highly competitive arena, you know, you have people who have won Nobel Prizes and who are enjoying the benefits of major multi, you know, decade long grants and, and other perks of the, you know, kind of the larger mold, if you will. And, um, they are not want to, at age 60 or whatever, they're not going to say, oh, fuck. So that thing that I won the Nobel Prize for six years ago has now been proven to be pure shit. But that's the case. And, um, of course, this agrees with, you know, virtually all of the major and important religious traditions that we know of. Maya in the Buddhist tradition is maybe the most readily acceptable. Inner Christianity, esoteric Christianity, which uh, you know is a is a sub theme certainly of everything we've done here and something that will be getting more explicitly involved with, you know, in the next kind of phase of this project. Um, it's a little more, it's, in my opinion, it's more developed. That's what I've always called it, is a technology, uh, a psychic technology. Um, you know, there's more to the idea of the mandala than um, some symbolic representation of, you know, a flower or something of your soul. I mean, yeah, all that shit is encased in it and it's at aesthetic and other levels, sure. But to touch on it briefly, and then we'll tie these with walking and move forward. Um, you know, the essence of inner Christianity, and by what I'm saying is that real, you know, real Christianity. Uh, this is not for, again... Your, your yeoman, average, you know, shit kicker who really doesn't have time to both fuck his wife, you know, four times every night to keep moving those, that, that farm labor into operation and, you know, work 16 hour days in the fucking heat and cold. Over there, lay down. The beasts must be split. Dogs are... There we go. Good boys. Pardon me. The um, sort of essential piece is what we've referred to here as the witness. Ah, uh, you know, that's my... That's the way that I conceive of it. It's, uh, as we've said, I believe, my favorite... 
explication is Bob Dylan, the sort of sort of obscure tune, I and I, in creation where one's nature neither honors nor forgives. This is the I that experiences experience. This is the door to the capital S self in a sort of mm, kind of the way, you know, black holes um, as they're conceived, who, you know, um, contain their information on, in this weird way on, on surfaces. You know, the self appears to me anyway in my explorations and uh, attempts at comp comprehending what the fuck we're doing here, what it all means, which is sort of where I've arrived at it, which not to jump too far ahead because we went pretty deep into um, this the psyche, of course. It's a fundamental mainstay of the war horse. How are you going to make war if you don't have a self? How are you going to make war if you can't get the fuck up when you get your, you know, your balls stomped on or, or, or trauma hits you? But before we go there, if it is the case, there is no time and space, you know. These are, uh, to wax a bit poetic, you know, the two axes uh, upon which we are crucified. Vertical, horizontal. Don't take that too literally. Um, but these are, this is scaffolding. And... Um, To lay this, you know, in my, as we've said before, if you're a writer and you're trying to get to a conclusion, you need to lay that seed. Um, and this is mostly extemporaneous, um, you know, every time. I have some notes, bullet points usually, and of course, this constant churning process. But um, as close as we could lay it down for the reveal, you know, we did. And, uh, we talked about the set with respect to walking. We talked about this set of lemniscates. That's a fancy word for figure eights. As you walk, you have a figure eight made in, of your foot. You have a figure eight on pivot at your hips. You have another figure eight on pivot in the shoulder girdle, and the hands are, are moving as well in discrete figure eights. In a way, on the vertical axis of your body, you also have a sort of long figure eight that's happening you know, if you're looking at a human being from the side and they're walking, you can imagine the, the lemniscate, the infinity symbol, uh, sort of 
turned on its head, if you will. Typically, you know, you have the two lobes left and right, so swap those lobes for up and down. And there is another figure eight there. So what is that? That's one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm sure you can get some magic numerology out of this, but that's sort of where, uh, as the tracker, I'm concerned more in the pursuit through ideas of my quarry than I am stopping to uh, circle jerk on every small bit of spore that I find. Though, you know, sometimes if that's where I take uh, my lunch break or something, then sure. Or if I've got a partner who's, who's deep into this shit and he wants to give me this, the speed run, great. So the questions surrounding this are many, 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 and um, I am going to flesh out a few of them. If our experience, uh, you know, in pan, we've also introduced uh, right around this time, pretty early, the notion of panentheism, uh, as distinguished from panpsychism, which is where, you know, guys like Rupert Sheldrake are living. Uh, pantheism, which sort of starts to walk you back into animism. And utterly, absolutely um, distinct from materialism, reductionism, all this other sort of enlightenment stuff. And so... Pan, all, and in, theo, God. God in all, all in God. Um, and the, the thorns, uh, the, the, that doesn't even cover it, the fucking jungle of, dualism here um, presents a lot of a lot of opportunity you know which is this is where how the fuck do you think I keep doing this by myself for 20 fucking years because there's there's more here and um, you know you got to eat some black pills along the way to to this, this what do they say like pussies beware right like this isn't for the weak that's right we know this okay it's the fucking war horse so these are our problems and um all of the biggest problems you know are are right in the background on that so and hoffman likes to refer to this as an interface problem you know that this is essentially um one way to speak about panentheism is to say that uh consciousness is primary and it gives rise to all this stuff if we're bringing in physics and mathematics and this is telling us yeah but your perception, our perception, all of it. And this is, okay, so we made it another 10 minutes before getting to McCarthy. McCarthy was dealing with this 
I don't I don't think I mean it's it's on the he's with Bowman he's um he's he's beginning to deal with it with Blood Meridian. It's it's absolutely omnipresent throughout the Border trilogy. And um you know, how do you how do you suss this out? when, uh, I forget the exact line, but it, it's, it's speaking directly to this problem of um, what we observe is altered or affected by our observation and our, our tool that is, you know, our self or our perception doesn't seem to be in any way outside of that which we would observe or perceive. So, in my opinion, you know, the, the revenge of the nerds, is, part of that is the idea that we just get to sort of sit down and uh, drink coffee about this and sort of make a habit, if you will, of like transferring the, the laziness of in the, in, that was, you know, it wasn't... It, it was reined in, right, up until whatever, maybe the 40s. Um, but when guys like Robert Penn Warren kicked out, um, it's been pretty bad. And so, the and, and I don't mean to simplify it too much, but uh, the exigencies, the, the urgency of these problems it has come to overwhelm mankind at this point in history and what i think is you know what we all pine for is this not we all but i mean you can't you can only pine for something and say hey we need real men for so long until real men need to show up but you don't necessarily you know need to show up every time anyway um with a fucking bulldozer or you know rifle um what kind of man showed up to these problems, these intellectual problems, you know, not not too very long ago? Um, you know, in some ways they were men of, of action at a certain level of abstraction, right? So, again, going back to what are these problems? Well... To dive into it, why this? Why this particular shape of things? Uh, you know, and all of it. I mean, talk about taking the heroic dose, um, standing at the edge of the ocean, looking at the little sand crabs and, you know, her hair blowing in the wind and intense clouds flowing over the round edge of the earth, the evening redness going down. We have access, though, and this, you know, as, as many of you know, occupied these areas of philosophical inquiry for quite some time. Uh, body, mind, division, what have you. 
And my contention is that this particular form, um, and it's, it's obviously not a theory of everything or anything else, but I've not heard uh, anyone else so far take this angle. My contention is that this particular form of your body is itself a tool of training. <clears throat> and so let's drop that into the stew and continue to, we're at 39 minutes, jam forward um, this overview QRD on some of the other modules that we're stuffing onto this, this endeavor. Rather exciting endeavor, in my opinion. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of opportunities for, for rhetoric here of all sorts. So keep this in mind. I'll even make a note because it's easy at this point. I can make a note and uh, refer to it. Um, the body is itself... A training, it's more like a training. So you have a lot of this language, like with Hoffman, the interface theory, um, AI, guys like, if we go back to that, uh, Lex Friedman, you know, his interest is commercial. Um, I think that begins to speak who, what his, towards what his real motivations may be. Pardon me. He's ostensibly a robotics AI sort of guy. At the same time, you know, we're told he's been ousted from MIT, and maybe there's some there's some something going on there. I, I'm not sure anybody really knows what it is, or if it's even as as coherently nefarious as as uh, the standard conspiratorial worldview would presume. Um, but it may be. We don't know. There's some curious, anyway, so the push in that conversation as for an example is, you know, trying to understand this through these models, which honestly, you know, isn't, it, it makes sense and it's not, I'm not really bashing it. And Hoffman, and again, in that interview makes a couple of points about experience in VR, AI, for future generations, eventually sort of obviating this distinction between worlds, if you will, worlds of experience and perception. The problem here is that that wasn't the fucking design. And while that may very well yield some, it will inevitably yield some um, astonishingly bizarre and uh, degenerate and off-putting results, one thing it will not do is uh, deal with more fundamental questions, to my mind anyway, like, yeah, that's fine. You walk out of the VR or, uh, yeah, headset, you know, booth or whatever it is at that point. You power down your neural link from, like, level five non-reality to level three where music's, uh, you know, you have a constant soundtrack in your head to your experience, this is kind of where we're heading. This is, um, everybody's a star. 
much of the next wave of social media um, ev evidently will be geared towards the observation of sort of, you know, quote, normal people, which is kind of the, a lot of the best stuff on YouTube or whatever is, is that is kind of like, eh, just normal people doing their things. But uh, it's my contention that the social can social psychological conditions in into which we are immersed as well as the logic of industrial society will uh, totally fuck this up and um, there's really no way out of this uh, uncle teddy and you know technological um, runaway freight train that we're on other than god um and i don't mean you know fucking even your old-time religion I mean, we're talking about something, um, and I don't even mean, you know, passive ritual. I don't mean genuflecting to the icons three times a week. I hope that, if nothing else, you understand that if there's any radicalism in this, it it's not, you know, it's it's nothing that's been labeled. It's something vastly more dangerous, vastly more powerful than any of that. And uh, part of that power uh, stems from the fact that you're already jacked in to God. And as is known, it's all already free. And, you know, while we may have to uh, meter and mass produce certain aspects of it, uh, post-collision with this, uh, you know, this technological singularity, which uh, black pill incoming, you know, is inevitable. I don't, I, I hope I've not um, ever um, been a purveyor of this idea that, you know, you're going to take to the redoubt and uh, that's all fantasy, man. And it always has been. What's not fantasy is um, hoisting, you know, the cross that, and I, again, I don't mean this in some, no offense, but Southern Baptist, you know, uh, fucking way. And I also don't mean it in, I mean it in the way that, you know, a, a po in, with poetic license, uh, metaphorically speaking, the, the suffering and the obstacles, uh, straight gate, narrow is the way sense which brings us you know about this time we we brought up the forest passage from Ernst Jünger and that got us to archetypes but returning if I can briefly to this idea um, the you know the language of mechanization uh, as a training tool, you know, that it, it, it is true that we seem to enjoy and, and we're, we, we compulsively almost reach, yearn to mimic and reflect um, the divine whatever is coming from this noetic psychosphere level. And so 
there's utility there's some utility so as a, as you know i'm concerned at maybe at the in the top four or five of my concerns you know uh the level of the beautiful sentence and so deferring on a habitual basis or as a crutch to metaphors using technology is itself antithetical you know at like essential levels to my beliefs um my arguments and um so i try to avoid it as much as i can that said i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and wade into this into this morass and assume that uh whatever meager verbal skills i've been given will will get us through here and this this idea will be made clear without too much beating of the horse breathwork comes into the discussion interoception comes into the discussion this uh, capacity that we have to exercise awareness that is spend attention attending to sensations within our body the best of the somatic practices, yoga, nidra, these sorts of things. Um, the shit is profound. You know, we discussed yoga um, early on in this project as well. And while most of my experience has been in a power flow sort of style, um, and that's what I've spoken of, mostly because i think that's the best starting place and for majority of of folks it's going to be less heavy on your new age uh you know micro coven element moon worshipers and uh whatnot you know you establish some capacity for uh navigating the social terrain at power flow level you move on into more woo-woo stuff what seemingly is more woo-woo stuff however uh yoga nidra which is really just attending in a meditative sort of state to any and all or particular levels of sensation within your body so you go into the into a practice half hour and you're going to um, be you're going to focus your awareness on for example your bones or it may be the you, can you feel lymph no but you can visualize it and this is where the shit gets dicey um, of course you can focus on the breath and there's the best of the yoga nidra practitioners or guides will sort of blend these things and um what we're on one level doing is yes building this interoceptive ability 
which is awareness. And um, jumping back to this panentheistic uh, slash, it's probably, you know, at some point it will be continue, it will be considered like primitive physics, but for right now, this is, this is highly controversial, right? Even though it agrees with practices uh, many thousands of years old. And I mean in conclusion and in detail. Well, this notion then that we pay attention, we pay out. You know, this this phrase is like that. That's it. Like you don't owe attention. You, you can owe attention, I suppose, but you don't allocate attention. You can, but the colloquial manner with which we, re we refer to this, this thing, which is, it's not just a thing. It's, it's in some ways all you have. It's this main lever of intent. And so it's no wonder that we had to, somewhere around this area, bring in John Taylor Gatto you know, to establish the fact that, sorry, you know, um, there was a fucking conspiracy, a no-shit conspiracy to create a diabolical system of schooling that just so happens to result in the sort of demonic egregore that has manifested um, <laughs> you know, around the world in the past since, since say, 9-11. But it manifested, surely, you know, earlier on. But, but now, it's, I mean, you, you have to almost be willfully ignorant to, to not see that that's the case. And um, I'm going to point my finger always back to this rejiggering of from, you know, from a true education, trivium, what have you, based, non-compartmentalized. Rather, the focus was on the ability to bridge so-called categories and for every man to have at least the opportunity to deploy the tools that the polymath deploys regularly. That is the blending and merging of any field into any other. And um, if you can't, if you don't value your attention, if you piss it away on the fucking spectacle, renounce the spectacle came in, maybe that was like more like in last January. Um, and here, of course, we're referring to thinkers like McLuhan, Elul, you know, Joseph Campbell, just to some little degree. And 
try in the, in doing so attempting to Again, we cannot get away from the minor McCarthy references here, you know, um, to get a tourniquet on it. And what does it take um, with addiction? Addiction to the just absolute discharge of your, your voltage into... I, I, you know, envision um, people implanting themselves onto the couch and like electronically engaging at an energetic level, you know, in, in Castaneda's terms, you just see the whatever little trickle charge of, of power that they accumulated during the day, just being sucked out into the television and then locked into the grid and shot up through... Um, mechanisms of endophysics into into powering you know the egregore floating this vast weird like uh gagurian fucking monster half half machine half uh insect in the sky attention is 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 key fundamental fundamental the real the true currency the only true currency currency again leading us back to this ongoing theme of uh electricity so let's check our time ah this is a good place i think to as uh as was, who was it that said, um, close your doors, the uninitiated? Who was that? It's not coming back to me now. But this was the idea with, um, again, all religions, you know. Uh, there's, there's your catechumen in orthodoxy. And when the, the communion is rolled out, time for you to go home. So that's important to note for for season two of the War Horse. I'm going to be going there, and I think it's going to be very interesting. The grounds that we're going to explore. We've laid up a few seeds along the way, but uh, I don't think that you're going to have really any idea where this is all going. You do, but um, anyway, so. An hour is usually where we shut out the catechumen and the initiated who uh, lay down their five bucks have access via Patreon to hours two, three, four, however many we go. This one's going to be a whopper. Uh, I've already kind of um, committed myself to, to three it looks about right, but we'll see. It's very taxing. So we're gonna we're gonna pick up pardon me, with the body as a training tool for what? And uh we're gonna drop into endophysics, but we're first gonna drop into the warrior, and even before that, we're gonna hit breath work 
at this, um, you know, the level of coherence, if you will. We've gone into a lot of detail on breath work throughout the year uh, and its major emphasis. But here you're going to see where it, it's, it's like a pivot point to, to everything. As well as, well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, if you're not a subscriber, go subscribe. Um, another housekeeping note: I'll take uh, I'll take the temperature of the warhorse absorber and see. Do you guys like Patreon? Is it the best? I have a Substack account reserved, but I haven't done much or anything with it. I basically been raising two babies, making work happen and, you know, trying to figure out the meaning of life and then put that into a, into a, uh, a product of literary merit as well as, uh, you know, just, just abiding as the dude says. So I don't really know. I don't really give a shit. I, I think that there's more attention. There's more hype around Substack, but that doesn't really mean much. Patreon does suck in a lot of ways, I have to say. After a year of using it, I've lost a shit ton of stuff. Um, it's It's a monumental pain in the ass to manage the just totally uh you know bonehead user level of the website just uploading shit so i i'm you know i'm not happy to continue if that's what uh you guys think is best or but if anyone has any better ideas i'm not opposed to them at all i'm open to them okay there's our one thank you very much for listening subscribers as always Hang tight. I'll be back with you in just a second.